Live your life within the moment, moment And don't go wait until the morning, morning You never know when it is over, over All that I know We are back on the food code and we are here to inform today around just some truths that are, I, I think, um, we are either blind to sometimes or unaware of, or we want to maybe ignore the fact that they are as damaging as they are because they are sometimes very delicious. And we rationalize things a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or I think, you know, we just get so busy and bogged down with everything else that we just, we don't really realize how much we're consuming of these things. So what we want to do today in our mashup is we're actually going to be covering an article that one of my clients sent me from Medscape. And the title of it is, is it time to scrap ultra processed foods? And this is pretty cool. I think in terms of the conventional mm-hmm. standpoint, starting to recognize that really these foods that are Franken foods are not serving us well in terms of our health and the disease rates that we have higher than ever. So we're going to cover that. And then we're going to talk about some swaps that you guys can start to make. We've talked about this in a lot of different episodes before, but again, you know, when we pick a specific topic, I think it's good to just have a right away understanding of here's simple things that I can start taking action on today to start to do a little bit better. And then over time, you would do a little bit better. And then you're eventually away from these things or you go back and you taste them and you're like, oh, wow, that really doesn't taste good because now my taste buds have changed when I start actually eating nourishing real foods. Um, And then we're going to talk about the appeal labels that are in the market, (laughs) basically um, just they're trying to put a protective coating on produce so that it dramatically slows the rate at which they spoil. And what are the risks of this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think in one aspect, people can say, well, this is great because my produce lasts longer. But there are so many natural ways to make your produce last longer. And so if you guys are not aware of what that is, we will go through that today and give you some things to consider when you are shopping at the grocery store. Because, oh, by the way, it's not just out there in the open. You got to actually look Mm -hmm. at those little tiny stickers that they place on your avocados or bananas or whatever Mm -hmm. and evaluate if this is something that has the appeal on it. Yeah. And understand that, unfortunately, uh, the the power and the money is where you have to look. Um, Our food companies and food administration, (coughs) excuse me. We do, they do not have our best interest at hand. They just don't. It's a money thing. Um, there's a lot of very powerful people up there that make a lot of calls that don't really think about the downstream effects. And what we need to really understand is that there's not a lot of long-term research that isolates these foods. It's it, Basically, it's near impossible to see the effects that some of these foods and the additives to them have on the human population, even though we see it every day, it's hard to prove it. And that is why they continue to get away from it, away with it. So just a little statistic for you. Ultra processed foods make up nearly three quarters of the entire U.S. food supply and about 60% of Americans daily caloric intake, hopefully less for our listeners, but um, a healthy audience, I like to believe. Uh, But a significant body of research has basically tied consumption of these foods, you know, just doused in added sugar, salt, fat, artificial colors, preservatives, 
to things like cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. And now a growing number of studies also link them to poor brain health, including higher risk of dementia, depression, anxiety, and some experts are calling for public health policies aimed at this, which I think is is awesome, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like, put some responsibility where you need to. Yeah. Um, well, so. you know, and when we think about all of the ingredients that, again, we've done other podcasts on um, that are being put in a lot of these ultra-processed foods, they're banned in other countries. So actually, I just pulled another article from the Washington Post that is talking about dozens of large studies Scientists have found that ultra-processed foods are linked to, as Becca just mentioned, higher rates of obesity, heart disease, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, and colon cancer. A recent study of more than 22,000 people found that people who ate a lot of ultra-processed foods had a 19% higher likelihood of early death and 32% higher risk of dying from heart disease compared with those who ate ultra-processed foods. And I would lump in here seed oils right? Mm-hmm. Because seed oils are very inflammatory. We know that they cause cardiovascular issues. Um, and again, your, your body just does not recognize the ingredients in these foods, the preservatives, the food dyes, you know, all of the other artificial ingredients as natural foods. And the big thing that we talked about in the MTHFR podcast that we did is looking at folic acid and just how hidden it is in so many ingredients that are foods that you would just not even consider to have. Why, why would it have folic acid in it? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that you can see in a lot of like fortified cereals and stuff like that. But even in the book, dirty genes, you know, they're talking about how so many people are struggling with some sort of genetic mutation or snip against the MTHFR gene And they feel awful because they're unknowingly consuming this folic acid rather than folate, which is, um, you know, the natural form of B vitamins. Folic acid is synthetic and the body's got to convert it. And when you can't, this is where a lot of problems arise. So when we, you know, think about what we need to be aware of, I mean, yeah, we can talk about genetics and we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, here, but we also just need to be aware of the ingredients and start looking at the labels. Like I loved when we had the CEO of Malk on and their slogan was turn it around, you know, turn it around and look at the ingredients. Becca and I are not saying that we never have any processed food, but I will tell you, and we'll talk about this when we get to swaps. If you can't pronounce an ingredient on the label, or you just have no idea what it is, look it up, start to educate yourself, start to advocate for yourself, because a lot of this can cause not just the health issues that we're talking about here, but bloating, gas, digestive issues, right? Um, because your body just is unable to digest, <laughs> again, frankenfoods. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool that Medscape came out with this and the Washington Post is coming out, just putting them under scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah. So the ingredients, obviously, in ultra-processed foods have little or no nutritional value. Their primary function is to increase a product's shelf life and palatability. So how good it tastes. Um, and some recent evidence suggests these foods may be as addictive as tobacco. And we see that all the time. Like people have extreme addictions to sugar and it becomes mental emotional. It becomes feeling like it's out of control. And, you know, I see it a lot with children, especially. I mean, that it, that's what scares me the most is, and we'll talk about that in another podcast around diabetes, but how unfortunately the children's foods that exist today on every menu at every restaurant, right? It 
it's a pizza or a mac and cheese or a chicken fingers and French fries. And like, so that's what your kids grow up on. And I'll be honest, we suffer with that too. Like I work so hard to get nutrients into my kid's diet. Luckily daycare is great. And my child of course eats way other, more variety of foods at daycare than he will at home. But that's where it starts, you know? And the most widely used measured of what is and what is not a ultra processed food was developed in 2009. And it was developed by researchers in Brazil and food classification systems basically assign food and beverages to one of four groups. So unprocessed and minimally processed foods like fruits, vegetables, milk, meat, processed culinary ingredients, including white sugar, butter, oils, you know, derived from seeds, nuts, and fruits, processed foods, things like bacon, tuna, wine, tomato paste, random list of foods here. Um, and then ultra processed foods, meaning soda, ice cream, breakfast cereal, prepackaged meals. So those kind of sounding the alarm about potential harmful effects of these ultra processed foods are particularly concerned about their consumption by young people. So there was a survey that showed from 1999 to 2018, highly processed foods accounted for the majority of energy intake between the ages of two and 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think we can't discredit the fact that some people don't have money access, right. To buying organic one ingredient, (laughs) whole foods, things like that. And sure we can make the argument that you can shop at Trader Joe's or Aldi or, you know, even other local grocery stores, um, that, you know, I, I think for example, by us, we have Pete's and Tony's and, um, they're more of like the Hispanic markets, but you're going to get a lot of cheaper Mm -hmm. produce and stuff there, but just mainstream. Like if somebody was on, you know, food stamps or something along those lines, like they maybe don't have the option uh, to go to those, you know, places. And then again, it's what are they willing to cover within, you know, that, um, budget for them essentially. And so we, we get it that it's not accessible to everybody. And I think we also understand that with how they make these foods, Sometimes people don't have the energy to fight with their kids because again, maybe they're going to school and it's a public school and they are getting, you know, a lot of access to these things because of the lowered cost. So then the kids come home and that's, you know, all that they want. Mm -hmm. And then it's a fight and it's a temper tantrum. But, you know, we've also had people, other practitioners and doctors on our podcast talking about the impact of these things in terms of attention deficit disorder Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, children's just overall behavioral disorders and anger and tantrums and, you know, obviously not being able to remember and comprehend things or learn at the rate that they should. And so, you know, when we look at even um, what they're talking about in this article, they're basically saying one of the most commonly used additives in ultra processed foods is the artificial sweetener aspartame, right? And so we know that the WHO, the World Health Organization, has classified this as a likely carcinogen in humans. And yet it's still used in thousands of products from soda to chewing gum to chewable vitamins. That's one of the worst uh-huh. in terms of ingredients. If you guys look at the chewable vitamins, God reminds me of Flintstones and the chewable Flintstone vitamins uh, that I grew up on. And it's pretty scary because again, when we think about aspartame, it's one of the most studied food additives in the human food supply, right? But there's significant shortcomings comings basically in, in these studies, because if you understand how studies work, they can be funded by the people who want them to have a specific outcome. 
and therefore they get to skew the results. And they get to pick whether they want to use that study or not. If there's a study that they do that doesn't show favorable outcomes for them, they don't have to share it. Yeah, toss it out. And they can also, something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that if there is adverse side effects, drug companies, food companies, they can pull those people from the research. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, you know, the ev- vax, whatever, mm-hmm. They can take people out that have adverse side effects that are not then going on to the next round of that vax and, you know, seeing what happens then. They typically do not test those things on people that have autoimmune conditions or pre-existing conditions. Like there's just so much that unfortunately when you see that it's safe or it's FDA approved or like take that with a large grain of salt. Take that with a whole packet of LMNT because it is not always as clear as it seems. Um and like, listen to what this is saying. It, the, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration strongly disagreed with the WHO's position that it wasn't carcinogen. And they are sticking by its recommended daily limit. So basically, as long as you stay under this, it's safe. 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, which is about 75 packets of equal sweetener for the average human size as safe for human consumption. I'd like to see someone test that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see someone consume 75 packets of equal sweetener, which is disgusting, by the way. Wouldn't you just be like sick in the bathroom? You would be so sick. How long is that safe for consumption? Right. Yeah. I think this is again where we have to think about like the devils in the dose. And then, you know, one of the things that, for example, stevia, I've seen some articles and people talking about stevia on yeah. Instagram. Well, Great. You made a reel demonizing stevia. However, you didn't provide the whole story that that research was done in massive amounts on mice. Crazy difference compared to the little bit of stevia that I'm getting microdosed in either my element tea or a little bit of my caramel delicioso stevia that I like to add to my rice coffee. That is a microdose compared to what they were doing mm-hmm. in terms of the studies with, oh, by the way, mice and not actual humans. And yet, you have all these people now that I have seen recently on Instagram basically saying that stevia is awful for you. Yeah. And then people are like, should I not consume stevia? What do I, you know, it's, it's a much better alternative. And what most research has shown is that it is much safer for the gut microbiome mm-hmm. comparatively to other artificial Sucralose, sweeteners. aspartame. Yep. Yep. Dextrose, all those things. Not everyone, but there's a large portion of people that do not see blood sugar spikes from stevia. Mm-hmm. So- Look at all the research. There's also been a link to depression and dementia. Um, so there was a recent report of ultra processed food consumption and mental well being on nearly 300,000 people, which is a very large study mm-hmm. across 70 countries, showed that 53% of those that consumed ultra processed food several times a day were distressed or were struggling with their mental well being compared to only 18% of those who rarely or never consumed ultra processed foods. That is a huge difference. And we've done, we've done many podcasts before on the impact of depression with food consumption. Because if you think about it, guys, and I say this all the time to people, food is your largest input. Mm -hmm. You can take supplements, you can meditate, you can work out. Food will always be your largest input when it comes to what is affecting your health and how you're using it to manipulate your health. And so we need to be aware that even though you might not have acute illness right now, like look at our world. 
look at what is happening to people. Look at what most people are eating. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I'm, you know, I'm fine. Like I don't have heart disease yet. I don't have cancer yet. Yeah. Well, and then I think there are a class of people who don't understand in terms of like genetic um, predispositions that you can turn on your genes or you can take action to keep those genes turned off. And, you know, I will say very openly, dementia runs on both sides of my family. Um, my aunt passed away of dementia. My grandmother had dementia. You know, I, my dad's 87 and he's still remembering a lot of things, but we can start to see some, you know, signs here. And, you don't know, right? Your lifestyle is what really pulls the trigger on these things. You you just don't know, like, is it predestined? Just because you have it in your family doesn't mean that it's predestined. What it does mean though, is that, hey, maybe you should take more precautions um, and, you know, maybe change course from it, what those individuals did in terms of their lifestyle. And, you know, and this is where we could think about, um, I, again, I love the book, Dirty Jeans. I know Becca's read it as well, but there's a lot of really simple things in there in terms of air quality, water quality, even if you can't, you know, get a lot of testing or swap everything out, there's some really good practical tips that you can start to do in your lifestyle to clean up some of your dirty genes. And so I know when we think about the dementia and, you know, Alzheimer's and all of that stuff, we know that it's not going to be just one thing. It's the the accumulation effect though, and things that are compiling because we live in a toxic world and it's becoming more and more toxic. And we're going to talk about that with the appeal stuff here, you know, in a few minutes, but looking at other countries, they're doing research on this. And this is probably why many of the UK, uh, you know, countries ban a lot of these artificial ingredients. Like they're doing their own research and saying, Hey, there was a 50% more, you know, likely chance for people to develop dementia than those who didn't, you know, they consumed fewer foods. And so for every 10% increase in the ultra processed food consumption, the odds of developing dementia, any kind of dementia increased by 25%. And that was an analysis of 72,000 people in the UK. That's also a large study, but it's also an eye opener. I think you think that it's, it's not much. Well, I just have it sometimes, right. Or a little bit here and there, but every 10% increase increased the odds of developing any kind of dementia 25%. Mm -hmm. Another study of nearly 11,000 people showed that the higher ultra-processed food consumption was associated with a significantly faster decline in executive and global cognitive function. So you know, the, the question becomes here, chicken and egg scenario. Well, I think it's also cause and correlation when you look at the food industry, mm -hmm. you look at the pharmaceutical industry, they seem to parallel each other in many ways. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, like you mentioned, I don't have that much, right? But here's another example. Um, they have not been able to prove causation. But with mice studies, when it comes to epigenetic changes, they have been able to show correlation. So animal studies have seen a little bit more causal. Um, they don't have any human studies at this time. But earlier uh, in 2023, researchers from Florida State University reported learning and memory deficits in two groups of male mice that completed a maze test after being fed a water mixed with aspartame for about 20% of their adult lives compared to a group of mice that only drank water. 
Animals that ingested aspartame could finish the test, but it took them longer and they needed help. And the amount of aspartame used in that study was just 7% and 15% of the FDA's recommended maximum intake of aspartame, equivalent to two to four eight-ounce sodas daily, diet eight-ounce sodas. So I know a lot of people that drink a Diet Coke a day, two Diet Cokes a day, or have that and then other food that contains aspartame. Anything that's sugar-free probably contains aspartame. That's labeled sugar-free. It has it has sugar in it. It's just fake sugars. And so what's really interesting is that the offspring of the mice in the aspartame groups demonstrated the same levels of cognitive decline and anxiety as their fathers, even though they had never ingested the actual artificial sweetener. Researchers theorized that in addition to changes in brain genetic expression, aspartame also caused epigenetic change in germ cells. So, basically, we create our children's health. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a big thing that hopefully we're going to talk a little bit more about with Lauren or Caitlin, some of our fertility practitioners on our team. One of the things that we have to think about, especially as females that are having children is that your gut microbiome is passed on to your mm -hmm. children. And so we have the ability to influence the next two to three generations because what's passed on for me to my daughter, especially, or, you know, my son that's then passed on to their children. Like it takes two to three generations kind of clean some of these things up. And so this is why we're always saying, and we've done a podcast you know, on how to prepare your body for pregnancy, both for male and female, um, take six months and really prepare your body. And oh, by the way, please make sure that your prenatal is a clean prenatal and it doesn't have folic acid. Because just like we talked about in the MTHFR podcast, a lot of negative effects uh, for people who, again, don't know that they have some sort of uh, genetic snip there and making things worse for their kiddos than it needs to be. So we're happy that they did this. Um, I'm happy, you know, that my client sent this to me. Um, I just wanted to bring it on today because I think that it's important for you to have the continued knowledge and education, even though you listen to us and to continue to share this with your family and friends. And maybe you feel like, Hey, I'm going to be that crazy mom, you know, who says my kid can never have certain things when we go out or whatever. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the, every once in a while treat that they get. We're talking about the everyday intake that they get and you know, really starting to make swaps uh, within your home. So even from a medicine standpoint, um, you know, there is a lot that I've been swapping out just through a little bit of research, um, even like uh, the Vapor Rub, Vicks Vapor Red. Uh, I did some research about that just because with Marcus and his upper respiratory stuff, like I want to make sure that what I'm putting on him is clean. And so I swapped that out to a, a cleaner vapor rub um, from Amazon, mm -hmm. eight, 12 bucks. It wasn't super expensive. It took a little bit of digging to find, you know, what's going to be um, the best option to replace those things. But really thinking about how all these things accumulate from the time that they're in your home, then they go to school, because as we've talked about Schools are mold fast too. Um, and by the way, the vapor rub that I went with is called Maddie's all natural vapor rub, um, petroleum free. So, you know, when you think about the accumulation, like how do they start their day? Just like for you as an adult, we've talked about blood sugar, right? If you are like I was as a child, I was basically raised on cereal, pop tarts, toaster strudels, right? Toast, 
cinnamon toast. We love those things. Uh, and so there was really minimal protein, vegetable, fiber. And so thinking, how can I make this a more nourishing breakfast? Could I do you know, some scrambled eggs, throw a little bit of cheese in there so they'll enjoy it, put a side of berries to it. Sure, you could give them you know, a little bit of toast, not saying that that's wrong, but then look at the bread that you're consuming. Is this the 99 cents or 89 cents um, wheat bread that's full of artificial stuff? Or can we spend a couple more dollars and do something like a organic sprouted you know, bread, maybe even make bread at home uh, yourself. And, and I think just starting with one meal and one focus is you know, how I did it in our home and thinking about how can I make this a little bit better and a little bit better? Because it may take some time to kind of transfer them over, especially if their taste buds are already pretty developed. Um, I like a lot of different swaps from Thrive Market, mm-hmm. right? I think about um, Zevia Kids. Those are like little Stevia sodas. Marcus loves those, but I'll use those in place of other mm-hmm. sodas. Yeah. I just try to think about in my day, how much of the food I'm consuming and my children are consuming is whole real based foods and how much is processed crap. That I try to have that percentage be at least... For myself, I shoot for like 90 to 95% whole foods for myself. For my kids, it's probably more like 70, 30, you know, it's, and I try my best to find organic, gluten-free, you know, nutrient dense type options. Obviously kids snacks are challenging. That's, that's always a challenge just because of what they're exposed to at school and at friends' houses and all of that. Um, But it is, it is more effort. That is the downfall that you could say. But what do you want for yourself and your kids? I mean, like I would, you know, bend over backwards and take on the world for my children. And I'm sure most mothers feel that way. (coughs) So you have to kind of figure out maybe you're not putting as much effort towards that right now. And that can feel really overwhelming to start making that effort one little thing at a time. You know, I, the lesser evil popcorn, like my kids love that stuff. Mm. I'm like, great. It's delicious. Uh, So I do that as a main snack in our day to day. Is it awesome? No, but it's not veggie straws. It's not goldfish. It's not, you know, it's, it's a better alternative. Um, you know, I always try to have fruit at every meal. I buy the vegetables that they do eat. Sometimes they're doused in, you know, Bolthouse Ranch dressing or peanut butter, but you find where you can to make those small changes. And then things just get harder when appeal gets introduced. And let's talk about what it is. So appeal is a protective coating used on produce that dramatically slows the rate that produce spoils to extend its shelf life. So appeal is made from purified mono and diglycerides, which is commonly used as food additives in processed foods as emulsifiers, which are basically thickeners. And this additive is a byproduct of oil processing that can include partially hydrogenated canola and soybean oils, which contain artificial trans fat that is detrimental to our health. And the company also doesn't fully disclose ingredients. So you don't really know what the hell is in it. You, you only know a little bit. You only and the, know the a little, little bit. bit that I do know, I don't like, right? So no. I think another big thing to understand about this is that this has been banned in the EU as of May 2019. They have only approved appeal for surface treatment on produce where the peels are not ingested. 
So appeals coating doesn't address mold, um, and it's also unknown how appeals coating will impact nutrition in the produce. So according to many research studies, vegetables can lose up to 77% of its vitamin C within one week of harvest, and spinach can lose up to 90% within 24 hours. So although your produce may look better in terms of having this appeal coating on it, right? You think that it's lasting longer, you think that it's still good, um, and that you're not essentially wasting it, doesn't mean that you're not lacking nutrients or that it's not affecting your health, you know, long-term. So according to their website, you can likely remove some of the appeal with water and scrubbing, but it's unlikely that you can remove all of it without damaging the produce because this can't be easily washed off. Essentially. Um, it's also trapping other substances that are present on the surface of the produce. Those things can include pesticides, fungicides, waxes, dirt, parasites, other contaminants, right? Bacteria. And so when we're saying appeal here, it is A-P-E-E-L. And it's going to be a little sticker that it's orange um, and it's got a white center and it basically says appeal protected. So it's mostly going to be on produce. You're going to see it on organic and non-organic produce, avocados, limes, apples, um, all of those. I've seen them in the grocery stores. In Canada, you'll see it on plastic-free like English cucumbers. In Europe, you'll find it on appeal-protected avocados and citrus. But those are just the places that they're starting, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are also in places that you wouldn't think, like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. Sprouts, Target, all of the... I mean, they're also at Costco and uh, Walmart, Kroger, Fairway. Wakefern, Price Right, Harps Foods. There's a lot of them. And brands that are using appeal include things like Nature's Pride, Sage Fruit Company, Del Monte, Eco Farms, Del Rey, Horton Fruit Company, Alpine Fresh, La Venta, Stemilt, and Sycar Farms. So it's colorless, it's odorless, and it's tasteless. So you don't even know it's there. But basically, the way you can avoid it grow your own food and shop at farmer's markets. Mm. You can also go to their website um, Mm -hmm. and you can see where like the stores are using them. Or again, I would just look at your produce when you're buying it to make sure that you're not picking produce that has this appeal label on it. And now maybe I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here. (coughs) Who the hell knows, right? What if the sticker fell off? What if they just happen to only put it on half? We don't really know. Um, this is also why I'm a big fan of the ozone bubbler. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of washing fruits, vegetables, you can do look on Pinterest. You can look at a lot of different ways to store fruits, veggies to make them last a little bit longer as well, or to you know not mold or not um, go bad within 24 hours of buying them. And we get it. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. For me, you know, I I honestly have slowed down on the amount of fruits and vegetables that we're buying at one point in time because I do feel like they're going bad so fast. So fast. And like they aren't, they don't taste as good, Mm -mm. you know, like I feel like, and and yeah, sure, certain things are out of season at certain points, but I feel like a lot of fruits, like berries in particular, I very rarely get a batch of berries where I'm like, those were really good. They're like bitter or they're sour or they're really underripe. There's, and it's just hard, you know? And then on top of that, oh, cool, you have inflation and you're probably paying an extra $50 to $100 a week on groceries just because of inflation, mm-hmm. which is great. And then I got another email from the state of Illinois saying that, oh, guess who gets more money? Random people that, you know, we're just going to write a check for $5,000 to. 
So we're just going to keep giving money away and the money that we don't have and raising inflation. Just don't to get me started because it is would probably makes lose. me so angry. I think the majority of the people who have common sense understand what you're referring to, but it's, I, it's fine. Like, let's just give all the money away and not think about the working class that, that you know. bust my butt <laughs> to make money for my children. And I'm still like, where's all the money going? I feel like I make okay money. But anyways, how, again, I'm coming back to the point of look at your input, look at your biggest input and your children's, uh, absolutely your children's biggest input is what you eat. And so, yes, does it cost a little bit more money to buy certain things? Of course it does. But at the end of the day, if that means that my family's healthier, my kids are more stable emotionally, like all of these, I will do it. I will spend the money there and take it away from other places. We rarely go out to eat. The kids, unless the kids are with their grandparents, rarely get fast food or any other food from restaurants. Like I will cook as much as possible for them so that I can control as much of that as possible. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've done is we've taken kind of a step back and said, okay, like, what do we really need? I think the meal planning is really important, setting boundaries and just saying like, Hey, we aren't going to have ice cream every night or little treats here and there. Right. Um, you know, I would say that Costco, I think at least has some good, like organic gluten-free stuff that we can buy. They're not perfect in their products either by any means, but you know, then it's just thinking about, okay, Let's not like for me, I used to just throw in like six, seven chicken nuggets and sometimes he does eat them all, but sometimes it's like two or three, you know, like I don't understand there. I mean, I get it in some ways. They're not, you know, as hungry some days and other days you're, you're ravenous, Mm. but it's also just trying to be mindful of the waste, you know, and just not buying as much as we used to. And then it's putting the money like again with organic eggs, good quality eggs versus, you know, yeah. crappy eggs. And this is what you get. Like there's not yeah. going to be a lot of other options. Now I will say like, again, so with Thrive Market, we've gotten some g- good um, alternative like snacks and treats. And like, there's a cereal that he likes. It's more of like a protein cereal. So I'll let him have that, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of days a week and that's fine, but it is more expensive than let's say like the honey nut Cheerios. So no, we're not buying it all the time. Um, and that's just obviously every parent that is their own, you do you, um, because you have the right to, uh, you know, and so that's going to be your own call for these things. But those are just little ways that I think we've tried to cut corners. And, you know, when we look at the frozen fruits and veggies, I will, I'll go to Aldi's or I'll go to other places that aren't, aren't astronomically expensive. Like I love Target, but I think they're way overpriced uh, in terms of frozen fruits and veggies. I will say I've been doing a lot of my like grocery shopping at Target alone. It has not been that bad, actually. Really? The one thing I will say is I don't love their meat. Their meat Mm. selection is not great. Um, But it's just been hard to go to both Target and Aldi with the kids, which is my situation most weekends. And so I've been doing, and Aldi has been out of so many things. Yeah. It's so hard, guys. It's so hard. And that's why, again, you cu- you do what you can. Mm-hmm. Like, what I always look at is, am I continuously trying to make a better positive effort and where I'm making that? And I, little baby steps. It is not going to overhaul in the matter of a week. It is, okay, I've been buying maybe too much of this. What can I make a swap for or what can I start removing and putting in its place? So at the end of the day, we don't mean to overwhelm. We mean to inform And hopefully you are more aware as you're shopping this weekend at the grocery store. 